Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Uh, kia ora, my name's Compass and you're listening to Speak Out on Access Radio 106.1 FM. Um, and this is my co-host, Alice. And we're here with um, a candle waster um, and a producer. Uh, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Um, so kia ora, I'm Thomas and I'm the producer for the candle wasters. I'm Minnie and I am one of the candle wasters. Uh, cool. Okay, so um, do you want to explain to us a little bit about what the Candle Wasters are and what you guys do? So the Candle Wasters are four young women and a token dude who create fierce, funny, feminist web series in New Zealand. The four Fs. No, the three Fs. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and what, what do you do? Um, so as the producer, I basically like project manage um, film and television ideas from um, little nesting of an idea all the way through to like revenue streams. So I'm like the mum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all need one. Yeah, yeah. Need yeah. yeah. okay. So why did you guys decide to get like involved with this? Like why did you guys, why did you decide to like um, become part of the Candle Wasters and set that up and go into that? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in, I went to high school with Elsie, Sally and Clarice and we were all friends there. Elsie and Sally were also sisters, and we were into a lot of the same things, so we all watched the Lizzie Bennet Diaries together, <laughs> and when we watched that, we were like, what else will be done? And we were like, Shakespeare! And we were like, what Shakespeare? Comedy! What comedy? Much Ado About Nothing! We love David Tennant and Catherine Tate! Let's do it! And we made a vlog series yes. called Nothing Much To Do. Yeah. Oh, Much Ado About Nothing was also my first Shakespeare play and my favourite, so I've enjoyed that thoroughly uh yeah so and how did you come on board with all of this um so i was a fan and my flatmate um danny was um cast in bright summer night which was the candle wasters third web series um based on midsummer night's dream um and i just got real excited because it was um young people making content that was queer inclusive um in wellington um and I um, said to their producer at the time that I wanted to get amongst um, and luckily the opportunity came up where he decided um, that he had other other things that he needed to do um, and so I had the opportunity to step into that role as that um, mum <laughs> <laughs> who um, looks after all the legals and budgets um, and so on their fourth web series Happy Playland I came on board as um, the producer working alongside Minnie, who's also a producer, um, making that beautiful project happen. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, go for it. We, we can yeah. edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> or we could just leave it in. Just, you know, yeah. Yeah, go grounds us a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, as you said, like Shakespeare was a, something that you all had in common. It was something that you liked. So um, why exactly did you guys choose to make that in a more modern sense? Was that just because you didn't have the resources to do a, a, a proper Shakespeare in the globe play? Or how come you guys decided to do that? Well, again, heavily inspired by the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, <laughs> and we wanted to make a vlog series and see what that looked like. And a vlog is very modern, so yeah, okay. it was just natural to do it. Also, uh, all these memories. Elsie <laughs> <laughs> and Sally were working on a comic that was already a modernised version of Much Do About Nothing that never came to be but was 
and I were talking about Dawn, and also Sally and Claris and I were thinking about doing a comic, so it's about time we did a comic with a tragic comic. But yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and you guys continue to do that, that Shakespeare-inspired things. And why do you guys, do you, do you have any, like, thoughts on why it's so easy to adapt Shakespeare into, like, a more modern telling, especially, like, a, a queer telling of those really old stories? Hmm. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Um, I mean, I think that Shakespeare is naturally very malleable. He created work that it's easy to look at and connect to the humanity in it in different ways through different generations and I feel like what better time to <laughs> be writing queer stories and to be putting both ourselves on screen and the people around us and giving that representation through classical work, which again, older people who might be a bit more hesitant can connect to Shakespeare, to the Shakespeare aspect of things. I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was super cool. So, yeah, no, I totally understand that. Like, Shakespeare totally has this really, like, a timeless story kind mm. of, like, we, we saw, like, a lot of things, like, she's a man and all that. Um, and yeah, like you were just saying before, your your brain ran away. Like, it's easier to get um, older, the older generation involved when it's something that they're already kind of familiar with. Mm. Yeah. There's also something like about that that cortex that's really um, universal and and hasn't changed. Like because it does um, very much so speak to the um, to humanity as a whole, as opposed to just like a specific era. Um, and I think that's what the team does really beautifully is they pull all of those key elements and then they go, what if this was happening right now? What if this was happening to queer young people in Wellington in 2017? And it, um, it, you'll see with um, watching the web series that it's quite interesting and it, it's, it's still very relevant. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so for representation, that's obviously a big part of you know, the entire thing. Um, so, like, do you guys have any, like, opinions on what we need in, um, like, our media right now? Like, what is positive, what is negative, and what do you guys, how do you guys sit on that? It's, um, for me, I kind of lived my entire young life never seeing myself reflected on the screen. So I, like, identify as a... a Homo romantic, like polysexual, gender diverse, <laughs> like cis sexed human. So it's um I never saw that represented on screen. You should I get that on a t-shirt. I yeah. should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to learn to like categorize myself to actually like in four different ways to ever be able to paint the picture. Um, but just through that, I had this desire, not just to show um that very distinct specific, main, specific yeah. group but also other groups that aren't represented um and i i feel like um when i was a teenager things like skins came out oh, it was yes. revolutionary in the fact that it showed um like cis gay people and then even bisexual people um and and that doesn't that seems kind of crazy because it was only less than 10 years ago that that representation started and then you start getting things like Orange is the New Black and 
you know, and I, Stephen Universe, Stephen Universe. <laughs> um, and and largely it's um, it's important that people find themselves in media so that they're able to to come better, to better terms with them because mm. that's how you you figure yourself out, right? If you don't see yourself reflect in the people around you, you look elsewhere, and so media is a perfect place for people to do that identity search um, and that identity discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more representation there is of different people, to simplify everything, <laughs> the more representation there is of different people, the more people can look at something and go, oh that's me, I'm okay, like mm-hmm. me as myself is okay. I think that's really valuable. Mm. Yeah. I think something I've really loved about the last two web series that we've done is the fact that the queer characters, we don't even say that they're queer. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just are. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, like, I think Billy and Zara and Happy Playland had one conversation about how they, you know, how coming out and how it was being a queer person. Um, and that was it. It was actually just about their love story. Yeah. And, um, and that was something that was really refreshing for me because a lot of the media um, I was seeing, that a lot of the media representations of queer people all had a coming out narrative or uh, um, the world against me narrative. And yeah. so it's nice to actually see um, queer people exist in a space that is not limited to what straight society thinks our world is. Well, you know? yeah. There's this funny sort of journey that the Candlewasters have gone on through our web series where um, with nothing much to do when we first started making it when we were very first editing one of the episodes we realised that these two guys that we had on screen had chemistry that was not supposed to be there (laughs) and wasn't there in real life but on screen it was like God, they're into each other. <laughs> and we actively were like, we don't want a queer bait because we've watched enough shows where that happens. And it, again, it's like these two white guys. <laughs> like, yeah. How much more queer baity can you get? Yeah. Um, so we actively tried to edit it out. And what happened is when people started watching it and we ended up getting a bit of a fandom um, that they started shipping those characters quite naturally so no matter what we sort of did people were drawn to that relationship and then we talked about it ourselves and then we talked about it with the actors and we were like okay let's do this and we rewrote a little bit of the ending and came up with our second series idea focused on these two boys and their relationship yeah um like why that's so important because like I completely understand because as someone who came out a little bit later in life like I kind of just ignored it for so long and now I find myself like starved for media like I will go through Netflix I will google and find anything that has anything remotely gay or, <laughs> or queer in it just because there is so little like I was obsessed mm. with skins growing up and I never understood why because like on the whole, looking back now, there's like not a lot of great messages, but it was just purely because that was the only thing around when I was a teenager mm. that had anything remotely queer in it. And even mm. now to this day, like I'm still obsessed with it. Like if I'm having a bad day or a hard day, coming to terms with anything, or if something happens, you know, like a bad interaction with someone else, I still go back to Skins and mm. watch it. I'm like, it's just so nice to see it just so casually. And it's, yeah, they mention, you know, the coming out story, but it's not all focused on that. It, mm. It's focused more on just general dysfunction in relationships not 
gay relationships are dysfunctional. It's all relationships are kind of mm. a little bit dysfunctional, which is really nice to see. And it's not the entire plot device. Like being queer isn't a plot device. You know, yeah, it's part of their story, but it's not their entire story. Mm. And so that's so important and so nice to see. Like, I remembered what I was. Which was um, about labels and how through our work, like during Lovely Little Losers, we had a lot of people asking us why it wasn't more representative and in a lot of ways that's because we were working with the very white heterosexual cast of Nothing Much To Do just in a sequel series. Um, but also it, it helped, like the, the fans helped us realise that we were also struggling with mental health stuff that we didn't we weren't we were also struggling with mental health stuff that we weren't aware of um so there was this character called ben who during lovely little losers the whole time is just like actually very clearly anxious and we were like oh that's just how people are that's just how you interact with the world um and then people started being like so ben's got anxiety and we were like what is anxiety? <laughs> anxiety, we're like, oh, that's us. And the same sort of thing has kind of happened, like, with our various queer identities as well. Um, in that, in, like, our fans putting labels initially on our characters, it helped us explore those worlds and be like, oh, we are actually part of that <laughs> yeah yeah and uh continuing on on what you were saying about mental health like especially your latest um web series tragicomic which is based on hamlet yes mm. and um there's a lot of talk of mental health in that and it deals a lot with uh psychosis and uh, definitely being very isolated from people and um, so what was kind of the inspiration from that? Was that you taking those elements from Hamlet and being like just expressing those further? Or was it you guys actually genuinely really wanted to dig into this mental health um, kind of a field and see where that went and try and represent that? Um, we, since Bright Summer Night, our third web series, <laughs> um, we've been working on sort of actively putting mental health representation into our work. So in Bright Summer Night, Puck struggles with depression um, and Lena has anxiety and we sort of wanted to really actively put that in instead of accidentally putting it in. Um, and then we explored anxiety in a very big way in Happy Playland through Billy. Um, and then with Tragicomic, there's a lot of theories about Hamlet which are like Hamlet has bipolar. In this speech, he's really lethargic and down and like doesn't want to exist. And then the very next one, he's up and spieling about what he wants to be doing and everything that he can get done in all of these different ways. Um, and those ups and downs are very reminiscent of depression and mania, which comes through in bipolar, which is why we sort of ended up um, angling towards that through the writing process mm. and then mm. we got then, then we <laughs> talked to people who have bipolar to be like hey what's up yeah <laughs> please what's give us like? actual yeah. advice and, yeah. and are we representing this accurately because it's not mm. our experience and we don't want to fuck this up <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 
and that was a, a big thing for us was like making sure that we were accurately accurately um, depicting someone going through a manic episode and so we did a lot of um, our director um, Elsie Bollinger especially did a lot of um, research into bipolar disorder um, to make sure that that was accurate but it, it is about um, representing um, that stuff on screen and representing it um, in the right way and clearly things go wrong like that's the, the conflict <laughs> of the series um, and I but it's important to show that right it's important to explore that in, in a narrative um, and see um, how things turn out in the end for that character um, quite beautifully um, but also quite ironically on like through making a, a series about mental health also had my own struggles with mental health. Yeah. Not because of the series, <laughs> but just because of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and often but, it brings them to light and makes yeah. you kind of pick up signs and you're like, oh, I kind of identify with that and that and that. And then well, kind of, bring them up. It's also yeah. just shit. Yeah, you know? life, yeah. <laughs> life happens. Life happens. Um, and, and I think that that um, further emphasised the need for resources and need for knowledge um, mm -hmm. in these areas and, and like I said with the queer stuff um, content is where people go to like mm -hmm. we we love drama we're thirsty for it and um, it's such a good way of educating people about their options and about um, you know how to tackle these things in the right way and especially with mental health and also you know the queer community is they often go hand in hand a lot of the time mm. like there's so many statistics you know the lgbtq plus youth you know often always you know often also have a lot of mental health issues associated with that as well so it's so nice to see both sides of it because you know sometimes you'll see in media they'll paint you know this coming out story and kind of leave behind the rest of it like mm. the stuff that comes afterwards that it's not just this one thing that happens and then suddenly everything is happy do la or terrible because you know it didn't come out well there's also like that internal thing where it's you know just because you've come out doesn't mean suddenly everything's okay and it doesn't mean that your mental health issues disappear with that one aspect it's like an ongoing thing on both sides of your kind of like identity and your internal struggle, or whatever. Well, I think they go. Yeah, yeah it's they go like hand in hand. yeah, they I go hand in hand, and it's, it's nice not, to see them both represented. It's not how it has to be. No. Um, and that I think this the struggle. There's a the reason for there being a higher correlation um, with queer youth and um, mental wellness uh, or mental illness is because of the fact that much of um, our lives. Um, regardless of our identity, we repress shit, mm. and it's repressing shit and that bottling up and frothing and exploding that causes these episodes, right? Mm. Um, and, and if we lived in a freer and, and more open and more inclusive society from the get-go, the moment we're born, we're not prescribed a gender or we're not prescribed masculine norms or feminine norms, um, and we're not assumed that um, I'm a boy so I'm going to marry a woman one day, there's no need, there isn't as much of a need to repress that shit. Mm. It's more of an open mm. dialogue. And even if you are able to express that stuff, you still repress things in social scenarios where you don't feel safe. And so, you know, it's more about how, because it's, it's with every minority, when you have to repress shit, it, it bottles up and, and brews, mm. and it's going to explode somehow, in some way. Um, I think with, with men, like cis men or straight men even, 
um, the pressure we put on them to be masculine and to be men um, is why they have higher suicide rates because they're repressing their feminine feelings, their emotions, and it explodes in violence. Mm. So it's mm. you know it's a double double thing that yeah. yeah our society needs to tackle. Yeah. yeah. To jump away and also jump back to the labels thing. <laughs> and I've got to go to the end too because I keep forgetting where I'm at. Um, there's a like the journey has sort of been of we were initially hesitant to put labels on our characters because we were like oh this world that we're creating in fiction should be a world where it doesn't matter and then we were sort of like came through this place where it was like actually it is really important to give people labels particularly bisexual which is so heavily not used in media even though there are so many bisexual characters in media or so you would think <laughs> um, that we started labeling everything through a, for, for a bit and now we've sort of come through around to be again sort of less likely to label things um, particularly when it comes to queerness like neither Sophia nor Hannah actually have their identity stated but it's very clear that they are into a woman in some way shape or form <laughs> yeah do you think part of that is letting people kind of who watch it and like identify it's almost like sometimes if there is a label it's someone who's watching and identifies with some aspect might the label might not not freak them out but almost might make them think that they then don't identify with that if that makes sense like mm. leaving it kind of up to interpretation of the people who are watching it leaves that space for people to be like identify without feeling like they have to then label themselves if they're not ready mm. which could be quite nice as well for you know people who are still kind of just working it out as well they can kind of be like oh I really identify with this character and then not have to worry about then having that pressure of oh if I identify with them does that mean that I'm then this without it, mm. yeah it leaves it kind of this nice open space where it's like if you identify they can and if they don't that's also cool mm. <laughs> if that makes sense yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think I'm quite excited to get to a place where in all media it doesn't necessarily matter either way because hopefully there's enough queer representation and representation of mental health that it's just what, yeah, what yeah it's, it. it's just a given like you don't mm. have to state it at the beginning of every episode this person is this or this person does this or this person does that it's just this is this person's experiences and this mm. is how it happened without yeah constantly having to bring it up and point it out it's just going to be so normal in society which would be so nice and it's mm. starting with you guys which is so very exciting mm. I think also just to go back to your initial question Compass you asked about representation and whether like bad or good representation I think actually what we just need is more like yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah the ability I think, to have both yeah, yeah because all characters are complicated and all people are, are munted like yeah. it's just yeah. it's just a thing um and and uh you think of Wonder Woman and the pressure that was put on that film mm, yeah. to be amazing but it was just a woman superhero yeah. like if, if there were more women superheroes, we wouldn't implant all of our needs onto this one thingamajig. And so ultimately, the, the beautiful thing about representing diverse characters is representing diverse, diverse characters. Yeah. And, and therefore being able to explore the full breadth of uh, a person, right? Mm. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of what 
uh, we have a responsibility to do is be is represent more and more different people so that we can we can paint every side of the story and putting all of those people into positions where they can tell their own stories yeah because mm -hmm. yeah. there's a lot of discourse that goes around saying that pretty much all queer media has to be perfect or amazing like love simon got a lot of flack because it wasn't everyone thought it was kind of like average oh just another like you know white cis straight guy or whatever and and it was like but it's just the fact that there was a movie that was so widely promoted and was in movie theaters everywhere that mm. was about a gay character like it doesn't matter if the movie was good or bad. The fact that it even existed is what's awesome. And mm. I think a lot of people forget that. Like you said, it's not about whether or not every single piece of queer media has to be perfect mm. or incredible or groundbreaking or profound. Like just the fact that it exists and is there, that's what matters. Yeah. And is it just an artsy Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be, yeah, it's got to be that <laughs> mainstream media. Mm. And most of mainstream media is kind of crappy. And that's okay. People still like it. Mm. Yeah. And it's got to give that option. Yeah. And I think, I think um, with that, with like that representation stuff, it's always the question of, does it help someone? And I think the answer with Love Simon is yes. Oh, like yeah. there'll be there'll be people who will watch Love Simon um, who will perfectly identify with that character. Is it the most perfect ideal representation of a queer young man in modern society? Hell no. But yeah. it's it it helps people, mm. and that's what I mean. We've got to be able to um, not put too much pressure on mm. um, content to be the most perfect thing, yeah. and help what's the best way to do it. Make more quick content. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people just want a sappy like love story, like a rom com, and there's not a lot of gay rom coms or like queer rom coms. There's all these, you know, standard ones, and nobody gives them any flack, even though a lot of them are problematic. But it's just mm. because sometimes you just want a guilty pleasure. You just want to enjoy a bit of trash TV or you know a sappy movie. But we can that makes all agree you feel stuff. that Imagine Me and You is a perfect rom com movie. Okay, yeah. yes. But with Love, Simon, it's like, you know, it's now just a, it's a sappy rom-com for queer folk as well. Like, it's nice to have that. Mm. Yeah. And you don't as much. And so. also, I feel like, also in, like, broader media, we are seeing more queer characters, but I feel like it's not being explicitly, like, in the acting and what they're given, like, they're not queer, really. They're just, like labeled with queer mm. like they have to be given labels otherwise you don't really see it because they don't really they aren't really given queer storylines that surround anything other than a relationship or coming out or you know that kind of thing is that it's not explicit enough for people to be like yes this is a queer character even if it doesn't have labels mm. a lot of time it comes down to the fandom to like label it as canon or whatever, or they label it, because, I, yeah, I feel like a lot of mainstream media is still a little bit too scared. Like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine did it, you know, with Rosa, and that was awesome, but for so long it was kind of like they just left it, little hints there and there and stuff, and, it, you know, they did it really well and they kind of did it right, I think. But a lot of places, yeah, I think they still have that fear of... They're like, we don't mind if our fans, you know, label it as, but we're not going to explicitly do it because there's always that fear of, you know, getting cut from your network or backlash and all sorts of stuff. So it's like, we'll just make it just vague enough <laughs> that people in the audience can be like, label it themselves, but we're not going to label it. Yeah. And that's got to slowly yeah. make change. Um, there's a lovely realisation that we were working in a media that allowed for us to put representation in without fear or concern from funding bodies etc um, because in a lot of ways the web series space was the place where 
they were also comfortable for us to explore representation and how that would be received by New Zealand and the wider world. And mm. actually, can we fund more of this? Yes! <laughs> yeah, and you guys have gotten funding for your last like, couple, three um, uh, web series, and so is there any pressure put on you to be like, this needs to be more accessible to a wider audience, or is it definitely like, but we're just making these characters, they have mental health issues, they're queer, and you know, people relate to that or they won't, and is that something that you have to think about, especially when you're getting funding from outside sources? I think that in a lot of ways specific stories are more universal and people mm. can connect to those in ways that they may not imagine connecting to them. Also, a white cis male story isn't universal <laughs> and we've got enough of them. Um, but also thanks to our producers, Thomas and before, I will start that again. Thank you, editing. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, thanks to Thomas, there's a level where as creators we don't need to worry about that. If there's anything that is going to be an issue, Tom will tell us in a way that works, but also because he's very keen to advocate for representation and queerness and everything that we're doing. Uh, like you don't feel like you have to that. you don't have to like okay. compromise your passion or your vision or anything because of the funding and things like that, which is no. amazing. We're very lucky. Yeah, I did Ooh. a producers course last year, and um, one of my key takeaways from that was that niche is the new normal. Mm. Like universal stories are found more and more in the niche um, because we have so much content now. We want something different. And actually, that's why things like Queer Eye and RuPaul's Drag Race are like so popular because they're like different. Mm. They're a different eye on life. Um, and I actually know a lot of like cis straight girls um, who watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Every person I've like, literally every girl I know. All yeah. of my super like cliche. White girls love them, but they're all yeah. obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. I and think more straight cis people watch RuPaul's Drag, Drag Race than queer <laughs> people at this point. Like, well, that's because there's apparently more of them, believe me. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> statistics. Um, statistics. Yeah. Um, but I, I um, lost my train of thought completely. That's all good. We still support <laughs> you. Oh, I just wanted to like shout out to How to Get Away with Murder because I think uh, that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> How to Get Away with Murder is like OG at representation. Like that, the casting is awesome. The fact that their character just turned out to like have had a bisexual fling, potentially doesn't identify as bisexual, but like, you did. know, yeah, you know, it's like I just think it's beautiful. It's like that's how. Mm. You know, and she didn't even go, I'm a lesbian, or I'm not a lesbian. It just wasn't a thing. Yeah. It was gay like, for this day. Yeah. <laughs> it was a natural Who thing. Who wouldn't be gay for Famke Jensen? Like. Honestly. <laughs> but that's what it is. We were talking about it before. It's so important to just have it as something that just exists, and you don't yeah. have to have that big, pivotal, profound coming out moment. Like, it just happens, and everyone's like, cool. Like, no one bats an eyelid. Because it does happen like that in everyday life, you know? Yeah. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Read. I can't yeah. read from here, I'm not wearing um, glasses. I think the other thing is that um, the funding bodies are in general really pro-diversity. Like, they want to see different voices and, and different stories represented on the screen because they have a government mandate 
you know, mm. to be a public service broadcaster. And public service broadcasting is for diverse communities. Like, it's mm. it, it's great like that. And we, we're really lucky to live in that environment. And yeah, in the web space, we get to explore that more because we don't actually have... It's less of a funding thing and more of a broadcast thing. We're the broadcasters in New Zealand, um, at least up until... Um, now have been really um, focused on the majority and so the majority they don't want to offend the majority and so it, you get um, shows that are very specifically targeted to 25 to 50 year olds who are white and middle class and female you yeah. know so it's it's uh, that therefore limits the possibilities for what they will commission um, and so the web space is actually, we've been in a golden age where all of these unique minorities like Roseanne Lang's um, beautiful Flat 3 and Friday Night Bites um, and like High Road <laughs> and then all the Candle Wasters stuff um, has been able to do really interesting stuff online um, and find an audience. Because there is no set demographic online. No. You know, when I was saying radio, we were told depending on what station we're working on, that this is your demographic and you must target all of your content towards them. Mm. And even if you were someone who wasn't even in that demographic, you still had to target your, your stuff towards them. But yeah, when you're going on web space, like YouTube, streaming, podcasts, all of it, your demographic is literally anyone who has an internet connection, mm. which is huge. And then you can reach all of these people. that They do exist, <laughs> even if they're not in that kind of standard run-of-the-mill demographic there's so many other little mini ones and they all interject and all interchange and you can yeah end up with a huge demographic made up of a million other little ones mm. <laughs> and they all have this one thing in common and that's that they enjoy your content mm. and that's the only thing holding them back is mm. that they enjoy your content like there's nothing else to it yeah and um, talking about like really specific stories um, and like because the candle wasters, I'm assuming it's a really collaborative like experience with writing and directing and shooting and all of that. So, how do you guys like decide on which story you're going to do, which aspects you're going to focus on, what you really want to represent, what you really want to write about? Is that something you all talk to about together, or is there somebody that's like, I really relate to this, I really want to see this in there? Um, we tend to like just have discussions, a lot of discussions. Um, we often all come to a meeting with our own ideas of things that we're interested in looking at and we're lucky in that a lot of times we've all come with like the same or similar ideas so it's like okay well that's something that we should follow through with. Like we were, want, we wanted to explore depression more after we did Bright Summer Night and that was what something that we really wanted to explore in um, Tragicomic. And then that ended up shifting and changing during the writing process. But that was like the key like starting point for mm. our Hamlet adaptation. Mm. They were like, the team works on a beautiful consensus a lot of the time. <laughs> like generally speaking, they're all on the same wavelength in terms of the um, stuff that's important to them to represent. And creatively, um, and creatively, yeah, and and that's and that's been great. Like I know something that was really important um, for everyone to represent was a female friendship, um, which we have with Isla and Nova, 
um, and we don't always have that. But also during the casting process, I wanted to have the opportunity to gender neutral the casting of Isla because what I'd never seen was a, um, a like queer male, queer female relationship. Um, and I was keen to see if we could find anyone um, like yeah. that was compatible. And um, we, were, <laughs> we were quite shocked when we were casting, we're asking boys, would you be comfortable kissing another boy for this? Mm-hmm. And sure. the answer was li- like, not a single one said yes. It was like wow. girls, girls would be, if they were asking if they'd be comfortable kissing another girl, would like, yep, boys, no. Yeah, um, and that was across the board. I think there was maybe one who was like, yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of that comes from even just the fact that we're brought up to think that it's normal and natural for girls like in college or at parties to make out with their friends and things like that. Like anything. Literally, like even my dad for the longest time, he was like, do girls just not always do that? I thought girls just always kiss their oh, girlfriends. No. I was like, no, 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 like girlfriends is in like dating. And he was like, yeah, but all girls do that, don't they? And I was like, no, 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 some girls like only like, and he just struggled to understand the difference between friends kissing friends mm. and like being romantically interested in someone of the same mm. gender. And so, yeah, girls always kind of have this perception of like, it's totally not, which is mm. fine, but guys don't have that with the toxic ma- masculinity. It's like, no, mm. there's no encouragement of just platonic, like, affection. T- uh, yeah, affection and comfort and touching, like, you know, I have guy friends that will spoon and, you know, share a bed, but they're, like, the smallest group. <laughs> Whereas on the general, it's kind of like, oh, I would never share a bed with one of my guy mates. Mm. Yeah. But girls, like, I've had sleepovers with all of my friends, all my girlfriends, and it's fine. Like, mm. it's very different standards. Mm. But so because because of that and the casting, mm. it's really easy to go, yeah, let's do female friendship, you know, because that, A, um, Isla and Nova's compatibility was really awesome, um, and B... We just didn't have any options to represent a gay male relationship with our young cast. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd say that's fair. We just didn't have the yeah. opportunity. And how involved were all of you in the casting? Like, were all of you kind of, you know, involved with that and debate about that? I love the casting process. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are generally all involved, and because we are all white, we try to come at it from like a try and do away with the bias point of view so after we've seen everyone and we're sitting down we're trying to work out who to call back we actively go are like do we like this person better than this person or are we just liking them more because they're white (laughs) and like really analyzing that like calling yourselves out yeah Yeah. strip back the you know internalized Yeah, stigmas and stuff. It's definitely going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. We're Pakiha people. It's there. It's there. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's drilled into you. Yeah. (laughs) Generations before. Do you have, do you guys get veto power during casting? Does it just like, no, no veto power? No. Um, I think, like, we generally, again, with Tragicomic, we come to a consensus. Um, I think there was a casting decision in Happy Playland where we went to a vote. Um, and that was one casting decision. Yeah, um, and and you've worked with Nova before, yeah. like um, in was it Bright Summer Night was the first appearance. So did that kind of influence that as well? Like you know, I know this person is going to do a really good job. So let's bring them back in. We um, auditioned multiple Hamlets, um, 
as well so Nova had to re-audition yeah. so she did the Make pilot sure. and then we brought her into re-audition and that was just to make sure that we're doing the best thing for mm -hmm. our um, web series and she just rose to the top yeah. yeah I actually used to do Shakespeare with Nova <laughs> Love little old yeah. Wellington yeah. yeah, it's well, just yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk about Nova Moala Knox. Yeah. She is a superstar. Let's just, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, she's a superstar. Yeah. Talk for three hours just about Nova. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she Honestly. is amazing. And the fact, when you consider the fact she's 15, she turned 15 on set. Wow. Yeah, that she was in every scene. Um, she was performing a character that was going through some pretty tough stuff and she had so many lines and she just held it together mm. you know we had a, a chaperone on set to look after her mm. and we um we did our best to you know make sure that she was looked after but she just killed it mm. and and her performance speaks for itself i feel yeah, like yeah. she's just totally delivered to the level of people thrice her age eh? like yeah oh yeah hooked like yeah she's as good as Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis yeah. <laughs> where is the Oscar where yeah is she's literally Oscar? what hooked me in like I mean yeah. I was always gonna watch it because I was just watch everything I can that has anything kind of like any kind of research but yeah no the first episode was like I think she'd done like four lines and I was like okay I'm done like this is me for the next yeah like day I'm just gonna binge watch the rest of it I just couldn't get enough yeah mm. which is I think the second that I was amazing. hooked with tragicomic was when um it had that like cut like they're in the the um in the classroom, oh, the art room. and then um it cuts and they're walking outside oh. and and has just like that motherfucker just like yeah. Yeah. losing it. I was like and, yeah, I was just like heart, bless like, this yeah. is I will watch this. Yeah. I was like I feel yeah, that that's forever. me every day. Like yeah. I'm so there. Yeah, no, but so relatable. Yeah, the yes. characterization was just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important to us to, as much as possible, cast people who are the right age for the characters mm. as well. So the other teenagers in the series are also all mm. aged. I think they're 15, 16 rather than mm. yeah. 14, 15. Nothing yeah. worse than a 20-year-old playing a 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. unrealistic expectations so for much so. what they should look yeah. like. Yeah, every other age range gets represented by people of that age except teenagers because it's so much, it's always presented as being this kind of like, awkward and ugly and horrible time mm. and it's like but that's the point also because <laughs> like, teenagers like to have sex yeah. <laughs> and also i mean it definitely is harder to get you know people to work during like in their age bracket but yeah it's very underrepresented. Mm. Rep i think i think there is fear yeah. because they're moody mm. and they're going through a lot of stuff yeah and um and so there's fear there that you know you're putting people in a risky situation um, but it, I think it's like the responsibility of production and stuff to just look after them mm -hmm. um, and be aware of that. Yeah, um, I mean, if they can get child actors, you know, like the twins, Cole, Cole and Dylan Sprouse, mm. you know, if you can get child actors to, you know, behave and see and do what they need to be do and be well looked after, you know, it's possible to do it to you. I feel like it's just a lot of, like, effort mm. doesn't want to be put in because it is so... They think of teenagers like these ticking time bombs and it's like nobody wants to risk it. But also there seems to be this idea of representing high school as the most idealistic stage, so everyone needs to look hot. Yeah, no, oh no. god, everyone who thinks high school was the best time of their lives, like, Wrong. have you lived? <laughs> like, what did you do for the other 60 years of your life? Yeah. Like, 
Um, but it, it's also like we also took other measures um, with our young cast where we had a mental health first aider on set. Oh, that's so um, Collaborate in Wellington do a really awesome mental health um, first aid course and I put Minnie on it. And so when we were on set, um, Minnie was our mental health first aider. So Because a lot of the time, like you don't have falling lights and, you know, tripping over wires. You actually are dealing with people high stress. Um, you know, like tiredness, um, fatigue, yeah. overwhelmed, mm -hmm. and so having someone really focused on that stuff was important to us, especially on this production um, when we're dealing with young people and dealing with um, such tough mental health stuff. Gosh, yeah, that's, that's really clever though, like, they, not clever, that's really smart though to have that because I don't think anyone thinks about that. There's a lot of first aid courses that happen all the time, but mm. nobody thinks about the emotional side of things. I think mm. that's something that should be more widely done in well, every aspect. Well, that's why collaborate us, so. Yeah. yeah, I might have to hit them up, because in my job I do first aid courses, but no mental health yeah. courses, yeah. and I'm dealing with vulnerable children every day, so. Yeah, yeah highly and recommend yeah. Get the money together yeah, definitely. or have the opportunity. And uh, historically you've worked quite a bit with the younger people, at least like within that kind of late teen of early, like young adult kind of age bracket. And is that, why did you guys decide to do that? Is that just because that those are the stories you're interested in? They're the ones that you relate to? Or just because? Just because you wanted to. I've seen how old we are. <laughs> 25 and under. <laughs> when we were making our first web series, Elsie was still in high school. Um, and we were all, I think, 19 at oldest. Mm. Um, Young people can just, do shit. Yeah, yeah. and Young it's representing like stuff. your stuff as well. Like, yeah. you know, what you relate to and what you identify with too. Like, it's a little bit... Can you name, like, one New Zealand... Of, like teen series um no <laughs> like we oh, had reservoir hill when yeah. i was oh, what the heck? younger um i think a, all i know is like killian's curse is yeah. the only one that's coming to mind i don't know i'll have you know they have 25 year olds playing teenagers in shortland street that Very it's true. Good, I mean, it's good enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Even yeah. they're making strides though, like, yeah. they were no. trying, anyway, yeah. with their I've... first intersex baby. Mm. Giving it a go. I mean, heart's in the right place, you know, as long as they mm. get it right, we'll be fine. Yeah. No, I've always thought that we should have, like, a New Zealand version of Skins. Mm. Oh. I, I, oh. I agree yeah, with that. Bright summer night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, our friend, like our friend group used to think they were the New Zealand version of Skins. Yeah. One of I them even bought a GoPro and was I like, I'm going to follow us around all night, it's going to be just like Skins. I it was literally not. had my ex say to me when he wanted to get back with me, we can be like Skins. Oh. Literally. Maxie and Tony all over wow. again. I was like... No. Wow. Love it. Do you realise that? Yeah. That's just comfort in your yeah. eyes. Fair. <laughs> But no, I, um, yeah. I actually, my level um, three design, like my design um, major project for end of year 13 was a New Zealand based skins called Knots. Hmm. Um, so I just, remember that, yeah. yeah. So I just, I, I had that desire yeah. as well and it was because I hadn't seen myself. I think as well with teen drama, you don't see yourself like skins 
actually doing the thing that teenagers are doing and it's really horrifying for people to think oh yeah, yeah. teenagers are drinking and having sex mm. and doing drugs but they are yeah. so, so much oh like, my god and, and it's actually it's actually important to um talk about why they're doing it mm. and how um how to make that safe mm. right yeah. it's it's about creating a safe dialogue. You can't just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it doesn't happen. Yeah. At the same time, shout out to my other teenagers who didn't have sex or do drugs or anything that you're supposed to do mm. when you're in high school and don't experience that yeah. until your 20s or your 30s. Valid yeah, <laughs> so valid. But that's the thing, it's the both sides of the coin and it's like it's gotta be an equal we don't balance have between representation. Yeah, you've got to represent exactly. both sides yeah. of the exactly. coin. It's a balance. And that's it. It's that really is the thesis it, of this yeah. interview. It can't be all yeah. skins and no yeah. you know. And no I can't even think I can't even think of another one because there isn't the representation there for yeah. the there ones must who be don't. something on like Disney Channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Girl vs. World like no, that's too young as well, isn't it? I don't it? know. I think that's like I don't know. early high school. I, I have no clue. Okay, I, I can't think, read. Do you guys have any last words? You guys working on anything currently? Any plans in future? That you can tell us about anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lo lots of things mulling uh, right now. Focusing on Tragicomic and yeah. getting that out in the world even more than it already is. Yeah. It all exists. You can read it on RNZ, but go to the Candle Wasters and then click on a link so it'll probably yeah. be faster and easier than searching through this. Yeah, and all of your web series are up on YouTube mm. um, under the Candle Wasters, um, mm. uh, I was about to say Slash contact. YouTube? Yeah. 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 Um, Google yeah. the Candle Wasters, we're the first result. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. Yeah, yeah. and no is there anything that you know your fans or us can do to support you guys? Like. Yeah. Watch and share our content. Spread the word to Damn. all the queers in the world. Yeah. I'll send to all my like exists. twelve Twitter followers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's only twelve, but twelve is more than none. So. Yeah, exactly. Twelve yeah. views. Yeah. It's a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.